Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, talking about deduction games, talking about those kind of games where you got to look at the other people at the table, look at the cards, and just try to figure out what is really going on. And we're talking to Tim Fowers, a master of deduction games from Fowers Games. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm excited to talk to you about this stuff. You've got several games that use this deduction, you know, deductive reasoning kind of thing going on. And one that's it's, I've really enjoyed, the game Fugitive, I'm excited to talk to you about. Uh, just really cool deduction game, very simple. But uh, before we get into that good stuff, tell me who you are, how you got into game design, all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I Let's see, I started making video games about 20, 2005 and um, kind of worked my way as an indie for a while. Um and eventually got into the industry. I worked for Amazon as a game designer for a couple of years. And then, um, you know, I was kind of doing board games the whole time and um, had some different side projects like Walkstar and whatnot that eventually became real games. And um, and after, you know, really when about time Burgle Bros was happening, you know, it was clear that this was going to be my, my full-time gig. So uh, 2015, I went full-time making, making board games, and I still dabble in, in some apps as well. Yeah, very cool. Now, tell me some of the games you've created. So um, you know, I started with Walkstar, and then the big ones have been Paperback, Burgle Bros, uh, Fugitive. Um, I have some newer ones in the last year. So we have about six or seven games out now. Um, and uh, you know, they're, you know, I sell them on my website and through Amazon. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Let's get into the topic at hand. What What is a deduction game? Like, let's get a really good working definition of what that even is. Well, I mean, you got to go back to the, you know, to the basics, right? What are the classics? You got, you got Clue, you know, so you've got like, you know, I'm trying to, from a pool of, of options, I'm trying to narrow it down to one weapon, one room, and one person. Um, another classic is Mastermind where you have, you know, limited, I think there's five or six colors in, in four different positions. And, uh, and you're trying to uh, figure out the pattern uh, quickly, you know, before, I think you have like, you know, 15 tries or something. Um, let's see, what else is uh, like a classic deduction game? Yeah, when you say classic, now how far how far back do you want to go? Because there's games like Resistance, who have you know I don't know if it's a classic, but it's been around for a pretty long time that you're having to deduce. So like, how far do you want to look back? Well, yeah, I mean, I say I mean, I mean classic. I mean most games pre like eight, before eighties and, and before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there's some deduction in Bridge, um, but yeah, in the modern era, I mean, social deduction really became its own category. Yeah, um, and so. You know, that's almost, that's a whole, like, that's a whole different, it has a whole different series of factors because most of, because deduction is about partial information. You know, how can I take partial information and, and have to make guesses based off of that? And, 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 and how can that partial information lead me to the final thing? I mean, uh, 20 questions is deduction. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's really in, in a lot of games. Um, uh, Battleship, um, use, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, having partial information, making the right guess, and kind of who can ever can be better at that, um, you know, can, you know, usually win. Um, and then the modern, let's see, uh, you're right, a social deduction. I mean, the, um, the hidden, the kind of the hidden movement became a thing with modern games. You've got uh, Scotland Yard, Letters from Whitechapel, uh, Fury of Dracula, kind of like this, you know, I don't know where you're moving, uh, you know, you know, on a, on a board, you're moving silently on a board is, is, is kind of a new thing. I'm, I can't think of an older game. Um, I mean, I guess Stratego uses that. Um, you're moving pieces and you're not, not sure which, which are which, and you're deducing which ones you think are, are, you know, which one's the flag and which one's the bomb and whatnot. So, I mean, as a taxonomy, you've got a pretty wide range there um, to draw from. Yeah, and you bring up a really great point. Deduction shows up in all sorts of different kinds of games and changes some where, where it's hidden movement or it's social deduction, that kind of thing. But for the con, you know, the the purposes of this conversation, which which deduction are we really focusing on? Like that, you're more of an expert in. Um, I mean, my, let's see. Fugitive uses um, uses numerical deduction, so it's it's uh, you know he could be in one of these few spots. So it's almost like uh, battleship, um, you know, kind of, you know, and then, um, in sabotage, um, it uses, I don't, uh, it's more of a movement based, um, basically you're, you're revealing these rows and columns. You're like, okay, I'm in this column somewhere. And then I'm in, the, now I'm in this row somewhere and, you know, using that information, you, you know, how, you know, how quickly can I narrow into where I think he is? Um, and, and it's, it's very much, you know, in both of them are, are very much an asymmetric game as well. Um, because in battleship, it's a, it's a, it's a symmetric game where both sides are trying to find where the other ships are. Um, and so I guess asymmetric deduction, um, along with some, some hidden movement, uh, I guess the movement is represented as numbers in fugitive, but in, in, uh, in sabotage, it's it's literal movement on a board is is what's being deduced. Um, yeah, very cool. And how do you win in these games? Um, usually, uh, I mean, asymmetric, you know, asymmetric goals. So there's both team has some kind of win condition. Um, you know, fugitive. It's you know, can I get to forty two before all the cards are face up? Um, and and so you know the uh, in in that game, it's more you could get caught at any point. Um, and, and that's kind of the tension in the game. Whereas, you know, sabotage, there's, there's a little more leeway where you're trying to hack a certain number of times secretively and the other team is trying to hunt you down. And if they can shoot you um, a number of, you know, a number of times before you can hack a number of times. So it's kind of a, a race to, uh, to different goals uh, in that case. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, another one I thought of is um, uh, Love Letter. Uh, Love Letter yeah. is, you know, it has a little bit of social, but it's mostly a deduction game. Um, I think one one thing that's required for deduction is that you have to have a very limited um, set of options. It, it can't be, you know, choose a number between 1 and 500. It has to be choose one of these, you know, 10, you know, one of these 10 options so that the other player 
you know, even if they're blindly guessing, has a reasonable chance at, at, at you know, finding something out about what's going on. Um, so I think designing wise, limiting the scope of um, you know, what, you know, what, what are the possible states in the game? Um, and then the other part is, and I find this really tricky, is how do you get partial information to the player? I mean, we, we've played around with it in, in a bunch of my designs. And, you know, I, I've done these different things where we did a, an RTS game where you're moving units around, almost like Stratego, and you're not sure which ones are the actual units. Um, and, you know, but, but, you know, how do you give away some of the information and not all of the information? And, you know, the holy grail here is really, you know, in, in a cooperative design, creating a system of cards or mechanisms that don't require a player. This is what, you know, this is one of my personal design goals and something that can, that can meter out partial information of like, oh, this is, um, you know, th th it's going to tell you something about where it is um, without revealing exactly where it is. And, and it doesn't involve a player. Um, so that the player, so that, you know, players cooperatively can try to deduce um, the outcome of something. So I don't know. I don't, it's, it's kind of something I've been chasing. Yeah, definitely. And it, like you said, it's a very difficult thing. I think that's why there's not that many games that come out every year with deduction at the core. Maybe there's some deductive elements and whatnot, but it's hard. I think one of the biggest challenges is not only creating tension in a game, but also revving it up to push it towards its conclusion. Because uh, so if you start the, the game and you've got, you know, there's 20 options. And so, you know, I've got a 5% chance of guessing on the first turn where the, you know, where, where my opponent's hiding, something like that. Well, the game has to have some kind of mechanism that that limits those options as the game progresses. And that, okay, next turn I have 17 options. Next turn I have 14 options. And so it kind yeah. of moves the game towards its completion. And I feel like that's a very challenging thing as far as, well, how do you do that without it going from 20 options to two options? Oh, well, crap. Now it's now it's a 50-50. Now it's obvious. You know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it comes down to whether whether the, the, the game is perfectly solvable. So if I'm using these facts, is this a Sudoku that once I have you know, there is a solution and I just need to find it, you know, or if it's not solvable, well then, you know, the other end of the spectrum is, well, does it come down to 50, 50? Does it come down to one and three? Um, and so if you're going to have that level of uncertainty, then you need to have um, kind of enough attempts at it to, 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 to mitigate the role. It's just like when you're, when you have dice in a game, you don't just roll the dice once for the whole game. You want to roll the dice enough times that the the average of those numbers are going to kind of offset any one bad roll. You're probably going to get some lucky rolls, and like you know, unless it's settlers of Catan, and then you'll never get lucky rolls. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that's the thing is is you usually have to have mitigation. So in this case, the, the, it's not a roll of the die, but it's this deductive element that has these different outcomes, and you're making a guess. Um, and so you need to have enough guesses in the game that you feel like your skill at, at, at the system, um, is, is why you won. Like you get, you know, you got good enough. And that's very often why you want to have a player behind the obfuscation, like who is hiding from you. And so then you get into, you know, poker and then you're like, okay, what are this, what does this person's tell? And you get into social elements um, and sometimes the social is up front. Like, I mean, when I first played, you know, mafia werewolf, you know, as a kid, there weren't any other roles. There wasn't anything. 
it was just hearsay and who could lie about whatever that, you know. And so it was always this like, you know, kind of um, pitchforks where, you know, someone's like, oh, I think it's him. And then, yeah, it's him. And like, you know, and then everyone just kind of dogpiles. Um, and it, it, it's it's telling you more about social interaction than there than, than actual deduction. Um, but, you know, we didn't we didn't have much to go on. And so I think the innovation of like re- something like resistance is that they put a gamification in. They're like, OK, there were three people on this mission and one of them was bad. And then there's three people on this mission and one of them was bad. You know, so how can we, you know, pin down who these people are using some, you know, like, again, limiting the options of what, you know, what the outcomes could be um, to a smaller subset and uh, and then and then leveraging that in the game. Yeah, for sure. I think in so many of these games that have done it well, you get these really interesting opportunities for players to be clever in, in different ways and clever in maybe the way they lie to their friends or clever in the way that they come up with, ah, okay, I know where you are based on these things that you know I've kind of deduced all the way down. And it creates really just awesome moments for gaming. But what are some of the reasons you think people just enjoy these games? They keep coming back to them over and over again. Um, it is fun. It is fun to chase and it's fun to hide. I mean, we play hide and seek as kids and there's the anticipation of, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the moments that I found in, in Fugitive isn't necessarily the number deduction. It's that you can guess any number. And I was a little insecure when I first came out with it because it was like, well, you know, what other games use just pure, you know, pure guessing. And it's like, well, go fish and battleship. And, you know, there's all these kids games and, you know, but I just realized that, um, the moment in which the moment of truth in, in fugitive, where one player is guessing a number and they can guess any number, um, really puts this human element into it. And this anticipation where one player's waiting to find out if he's caught and the other player is waiting to find out if he found him. And, and you're constantly kind of at this, this tense moment between two players, um, and it's, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like in poker where you're getting, you're calling someone's bluff. You know, it's like, it's come down to this and you're trying to read them. What are they going to do? And, and, and then there's the resolution. It goes one way or the other, but the buildup to it is what is the deduction that got you there. So I think deduction helps raise the stakes to make that, that final moment meaningful. I think without the deductive elements, I mean, yes, you don't have much to go on, but also it just builds anticipation. Yeah, I'd say tension is one of the main things that, that people love about yeah. these games. It's that constant, do, do they know where I am? And if you're hiding, you always feel like they know where I am. And if you're searching, you always feel like I have no idea where they are. You know, this is a really cool yeah. uh, moment for these these games that just kind of, and if you can do it well and it revs up towards the climax of the game and, and you get that kind of final moment of, I think this is where you are and I don't know and you're right and it's this really cool thing or you were able to hide the whole time. and It just creates really yeah. fun moments and then also you get this like really interesting like princess bride kind of thing it's like well i know <laughs> that you know but you know that i know that you know <laughs> so you create these, yeah, these yeah, kind yeah. of fun moments with that as well and so tell me about how you've kind of incorporated those type things in your games as well yeah there's the, the, the i mean that gets into the concept of yomi that's been you know coined by uh david serlin um and yomi is is like it's a trend, it's some German phrase, like know the mind of, or to, to know. And it's this concept of like, I know what you're going to do. And then there's these levels of Yomi where 
where it's that I'm going to change what I'm going to do because I know that you know that I, that, you know, something about me. And, and the idea is that the, that counterplay can go about three levels deep before it usually loops back to, well, just do the first thing that you were going to do. Um, and, and that, that kind of counterplay is, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's at the core of, of bluffing. I mean, another really tense game that, that takes advantage of this is Netrunner. Um, you know, the tension in Netrunner is like, which server, you know, has, is the real one and, and where, where are the, where are the agendas right now? And, and you're, you know, when you're running, you're making guesses on where you think they are, um, and, and what defenses you think they might have set up. Um, and then the resolution is like, oh, oh, he's got this ice in front of it, or this is what was really in the server. And, and again, it's just that, that, you know, that mind games, especially game over game. One nice thing about deduction games is they generally get richer um, the more you play them with the same group. Um, yeah. Because because then you you start to learn behaviors like, oh, he likes to do this. So I'm going to adjust my 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 internal mental model of their strategy uh, because of that. I'm going to be like, OK, he likes to bluff more often in Fugitive or he likes to you know do these things. And then you get into layers. I think it's that those layers come in over multiple games where you can try things and and be wrong or be right, and then both sides can adapt. Yeah, for sure. I'd say that's one of the main benefits of these games is playing them with the same group. You you in, you create this weird, not weird. You create this really awesome meta game that's like this extra layer on top. And just from my own personal experience, I've been working on a. It's like an arcade style, like NFL blitz the board game kind of thing. And so it's super fast, super easy to easy to play. And basically, offense plays a card, defense plays a card, and you, you kind of reveal at the same time. Yeah. And the defense is trying to guess: is the offense going to run? Are they going to short pass it? They're going to long pass it. And if you guess correctly, you get bonuses. And if, you know, if you don't, then they get extra dice that they get to roll for the play. And so yeah. playing play testing this game over and over again with my wife, like she just she just knows me, man. Like she just reads it every single time. Like she just knows. I've I've only beat her one time, and like. The last five or six plays and it was about a point on the last play of the game because she's just like she gets this meta better than i do <laughs> so it's been a yeah. lot of fun just to kind of uh play test through that the the game yomi itself um does uh is 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 kind of the purest form of that um but they're really you really start to get into there's kind of different schools of thought when it comes to this so yomi you know you're playing um a paper rock scissors game with some bells and whistles on it and you know, and yes, there things are informed by previous rounds. Like if I block, then the odds of another block being in my hand are slightly lower, but I could, there's, it's entirely likely I could have another block, but in aggregate, I've only got so many blocks in my deck and, and there's too many to count because it's a 52 card deck for both sides. So you're never really going to, to know for sure, but then, but the, the, the scales tip ever so slightly, but the, 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 the concept in, in Yomi is to take the, he, his argument is that there is a point in competition where you can get so far into the mind of your opponent that you can perfectly, you know, predict them. You know exactly what they're going to do, and and almost to a mystical level. There's 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 kind of different beliefs in this, and so really the reception of of the game itself, Yomi, because it's such a pure incarnation of this. Um, there, it's been really divisive. Some people are like, no, nah, I don't really believe in Yomi to that extent, where if we play 100 games of rock, paper, scissors, you're going to 
if you know you winning represents you knowing my pattern or my the tendency of of what sequence of things I like to do, um, and so there is you can kind of get into into the weeds in this, um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I try to I try to suspend suspend belief on my end um, on, on on what I don't know which is right, um, but I, I I try to. Um, uh, you know, I, th- I think that there is there is something to it, um, but I don't. Even if there is, it's not an activity I enjoy. Like I don't want to spend an entire game trying to refine my guess of your card play. Um, you know, to, to kind of that degree. Uh, I'd rather have some tells. I'd rather have some external information guiding me towards that. And I think once there is a piece of public information both players can, can kind of bounce off of it uh, or, or react to it. So they can say, this happens in sabotage. Like, I give up this information. I know that you know that information because it was public. And now, you know, now we go from there. Now it's just like, okay, um, Izzy, you know. And, and I think more, um, more declared uh, information or um, deduce, deducible information um, kind of goes hand in hand with this purely social deduction. It's, it's like, there's really two elements here. Um, and I think you really have to have both because pure deduction by itself can turn everything into Sudoku puzzle and pure social deduction turns everything into hearsay and, and um, you know, and just, just poker or, you know, these very slight tells that are just, I don't know, not super interesting. So I, I really believe in a balance between the two. Yeah, for sure. And even going back to the game we've been talking about, Yomi, which is, for anyone who isn't aware, it's a two-player fighting game. So it's like Street Fighter, the card game kind of thing. Uh, what's cool about that, there are certain cards that let you pick up aces, and then aces allow you to do these like super combo, you know, awesome power moves. And so if you see your opponent pick up, you know, two aces from the deck, you're like, oh, okay. So he has at least two, maybe three aces in his hand. And so I, I know that, but I don't, but is he going to play that this turn or is it going to be next turn? And so then you, you get into that, like, yeah. I know what you have but I don't know when you're going to play it. And it's like, when does it make sense to play? And, and you kind of get that interesting back and forth. So I think, I think that is right there in line with what you're talking about. Like it's, it's not just any card. Like I know you've got these cards, but when and how are you going to play them? I think creates an interesting tension because you do have uh, not perfect information, but you have that partial information you can make choices based on. Yeah. And, and we've been in some different designs that I've fiddled with. We have the concept of like knowing, you know, having, this part of your hand is public, this part of your hand is private. So now you could play any card, but now I know some of the possibilities of what you could play, and, but, but there's still some, some hidden information. Yeah, definitely. Now, what is the fun? You, you've been talking about you know, tinkering around and, and designing different games and playing with different things. What's the, what's the fun in designing these games? What do you enjoy about it? The, the process of designing or the resulting behaviors in the game? Well, I mean, a little bit of both, but like when you're when you're sitting out when you're setting out to design a game, and you're like, I'm going to make a deduction game. Like, why is that? What do you enjoy about these games that keeps you making them? I don't. I mean, I, I don't know that I set out. Um, I, I I don't. I, I don't. I don't think either of the deduction games I've made started with um, with a mechanic per se. I mean, I guess Fugitive kind of did, but I did want it to feel like um, a foot chase, and then. With sabotage, I wanted it to feel like that the moment in capture the flag when you know you're sneaking into enemy territory to rescue your friends who've been captured and capture the flag, and and that whole 
kind of uh, that the, the whole feeling of infiltration and 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 subterfuge and, and even distractions and whatnot. Um, so I kind of came at it from that angle. I mean, I certainly enjoy deduction, but it was it was kind of a means to an end. It's like this is deduction evokes the emotions that get me to where I want the player to feel, or the, it evokes the emotions that align up with the fantasy. Um, you know, it's, it is a great mechanic, I think. Um, but a mix of those things. So, I mean, you have the asymmetry, you have the hidden movement, um, and, and, and then you have the, the deduct, the deductive pieces. Um, and I have other deductive designs that I've, I've hit dead ends with, like I've got a really good mechanic and, and then tried to work it into, you know, a deductive game. And I don't know, a lot of times, um, I, I just find when I'm when I don't have a strong fantasy, um, and I'm mostly in love with a mechanic, that the game doesn't really work out. Yeah, great point. So you start more with the emotion, start with the experience, and then just build out the me- mechanisms around yeah, it. There's um, there's actually a fun quote I ran into yesterday at the airport. Um, so the guy that made um, Hobby no Hobby Hobby Alter, he was he created the, the skateboard company and. Um, and surfboard company and whatnot. He was a, he was an innovator. Um, his quote was, if it's fun, it's never work. And if it's not fun, it'll never work. And so I think that comes down to that is, is sometimes, I don't know, I, I, I've just gotten in different ruts when it came to kind of mechanics first stuff. Um, it, you know, it, it, as cool as those mechanics are, unless I can find a, a really um, symbiotic theme quickly, I'll usually it's, I usually end up burning a lot of time on uh, on on kind of dead ends. Yeah, I'm right there with you. There have been times where I've been designing a game that works, you know, and it feels good and all these different things, and I just kind of run out of gas because it, it doesn't excite me. Like the uh, the idea, the experience of the game, it doesn't get me going. It's like ah, I'm going to work on something else. Like I haven't run into like a a, a wall necessarily. It's like oh, this game is broken or it doesn't work or you know people hate it. It's just like eh, I'm just not excited about it. And so I'm right there with you. It's like if it doesn't get you going, it's yeah, hard to yeah. keep going. Now let's talk about some of the design challenges you've run into as far as your deduction games. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that um, I mean in, in Fugitive there was definitely some uh, there were there were some problems we ran into with um, I mean certainly balance is tricky um, giving giving players you know equal opportunities um, in, 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 in an asymmetric game that's balance is really tricky, but. Um, a lot of the breakthroughs in the, in the design, um, you know, actually had come from other people, um, as a, like, so fugitive, um, there was this problem where uh, it had to do with the kind of the efficiency of guessing the fact that you could never really catch up with, uh, with a fugitive when he, when he got too far ahead, unless he happened to kind of get low on numbers, he was usually going to stay ahead. Um, and so there's a couple pieces that came together and basically it was that you didn't have to point at a number or a card to guess it. You could just say a number and it would reveal anywhere. And then the fact you could multi-guess. So the fact that you could guess more than one number, the penalty being if you're wrong about any of the numbers, you know, you don't get any information. So it became a push for luck. It became a way that you could catch up at a higher risk. And I, I like that in a lot of games. Um, uh, Jeff Beck came up with that for, for hardback. Um, you know, we wanted to have a mechanic in which, you know, if you're far behind, you could take a risk to catch up. And that became the whole ink, 
uh, system in that game where you can you can take additional cards, but the additional cards might might you know screw you over. Um, and yeah, so I think you know deciding when to do that, and that and that also is is just kind of like also the poker part of it, where you know I have this I have money to to kind of push around uh, to say that to, to push my luck, I can go all in and try to spook him. Um, and, and get them, you know, get them to fold. Um, I, I think having those tools in in a deductive game are useful. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like another thing that uh, can be a, a design challenge is, is knowing the right length of the game. Because a deduction game that lasts two and a half hours, maybe maybe not the best thing, right? But one that lasts 10 minutes, okay, maybe also not what you're looking for. So tell me what you did as far as figuring out how long these games should be. Like, why did you determine 42 was the, the magical number for Fugitive and things like that? Uh, 42 came out of, uh, I was just trying to think of how many cards I wanted in each pile. And, and, I, and it was totally arbitrary. I just guessed, oh, well, let's do 14 cards in each pile. Um, yeah, because, because I wanted you to draw from these piles. This is very early in the concept where so that you could get cards where you needed them, but you didn't know exactly what they were. So I didn't want to shuffle all 42 cards or whatever number of cards. So I want to have three piles, but I didn't want it to be that big of a range. And so 14, three times 14 is what, what got us there. Okay, gotcha. And so, did you have that number right off the bat? Did you just guess correctly the first time, or? Uh, yeah, yeah, I balanced around it. I mean, a lot of times you have to just put, you know, a stake in the ground and then, you know, and then tune your numbers around it. But yeah, it was it was arbitrary, and it's you know, I hear it's a lucky number. <laughs> Definitely. Now with sabotage, what what were some of the other design challenges you run into? The, uh, a lot of it was going against the grain. Um, the what uh, you know. Maybe, design partner on it, Jeff Krauss came up with was this concept of the, the hunted party has to give up information um, as they move around. Whereas the hunters don't have to give up anything. Whereas in the fantasy, it's just like, well, the guards make all the noise. And so the spies know where they're at, um, you know, is, is what you think with the fantasy, but by flipping it on its head, it actually makes it work. And that, that was what is, what was interesting and, and, and certainly counterintuitive. So, so that, that process of, you know, so, so I, you know, I'm leaking this, I'm leaving this breadcrumb trail constantly. And, uh, and it, it, in the end, it ends up being similar to fugitive in the sense that you're, you're leaving these, these hideouts behind you to be found. But in, 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 you know, sabotage, if you don't give, you're deciding what, what breadcrumbs to leave. And if you leave the wrong ones, you can, you, you know, he knows exactly where you're at. And, if he knows where exactly where you're at, then, you know, things are going to go bad. Yeah. And now, now is this the way you, you add the tension to the game that we were talking about before where it kind of revs up towards the end? Uh, yeah, certainly. Certainly. I mean, the more, the longer I'm moving on the map, the more, you know, the fewer places I could be. And so I need, you know, and then, I mean, another problem was because we didn't want all of sabotage to come down to a final moment of, you know, guessing where, you know, guessing once where the player is like fugitive, we want it to be, more of a back and forth. So you can take a couple hits in, in, uh, in sabotage, but you can come back from it. You can, you can be down to the wire and still be able to pull it off. But the problem was the longer you're on the board, the more, uh, the more you, you're giving away. And then anytime you do a hack, which is how you win, um, the, you, you're immediately giving up a, a hard tell on your location. Um, so, so even if they weren't sure up to that point where you were, 
they know where you are now. And so that becomes kind of like a peak moment where you're like, okay, I'm moving towards victory and you know exactly where I'm at and you have to have an exit strategy. So we had to come up with methods. What methods do you have to obfuscate, to disappear back into, into the shadows? Um, and it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. Once they've got a beat on you, it's pretty hard to, to get, get out of that. So we came up with things like, like thermo, um, and, and we even came up with a, 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 a rare resource called slide, which lets you do, you know, one, uh, silent move, uh, entirely silent move. And, but, but you only get to use it, you know, two or three times in, a, in an entire game. And so we, we gave some, some kind of get out of jail cards, uh, in there as well. And it's a little, to me, it feels a little bit, uh, artificial, but it, it, it you know, it, there's certain things like, and this happened in, 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 um, in Fugitive as well. So sometimes you get, you have a problem um, with balance and you can, you put something in that people can kind of see through. So the, the manhunt in, in, in Fugitive, it's literally triggered when one player is too far ahead. So it, it, it is, it is a, a Mario Kart blue shell. It's, you know, it's, it's meant to, to balance, but you know, you're taking what is a, you know, even when you have these artificial mechanisms that don't feel as elegant, um, they can take what was going to be a really unfun situation or a really unfun game and flip and makes it into this big climax. And, and that's, that's why I still really like manhunts in, in fugitive um, as this, as this final thing. So it, it, this also speaks more to um, asymmetrical games is, is giving this, giving these um, rare um, risky things to, to a side to, uh, to kind of upset the balance, but you're, you're, you're trying to give them enough chances. And a lot of this is an aggregate. You do really just, you have to play these games a lot. Uh, there's the, a problem we have with, with, with Fugitive and Sabotage as well is there's a certain balance in the game for new players and that balance shifts as you get experienced in the game. Um, and so, you, you know, one side actually has an advantage uh, in the early games and the other side has an advantage. Now, how much that advantage is, there's certainly a lot of argument. Um, one of the things we really like to hear when people are testing is when both sides feel like they, they didn't have the resources or the information or whatever, they felt like they were up against the wall. But when you get both sides saying that, that's, that's, that usually means that you're there. Like that's, that's how you kind of know that you're balancing um, there's there's different groups that that argue which side is is more powerful uh, in 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 fugitive and as long as we have voices on both sides you know we're fine um, any particular group um, might end up with an imbalance on one side or the other you can't really make it universal but if you if you you if enough different people test it and and they and they tell you kind of opposite truths about the game then you're like okay well you know, it's, it's undetermined. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what was your process of balancing out these two, you know, asymmetrical sides? With, uh, with fugitive, it was more, uh, how many cards do you start with? And, and, and then how much do you draw? I mean, since I wanted both sides to draw one card per turn, I really had to just tune the starting amounts. And then the opposite is in, in sabotage, it's the final amounts. What is the number of hacks versus the number of, of hits? Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it also determines game length, but um, it, it, those, are, those are the big knobs you can turn when it comes to asymmetry. 
Um, and so it's kind of like starting state or end state, I think is, is one way to think about it. Yeah. And so what did your playtesting process look like for these games as you were trying to make sure things were balanced and you know things were fun and all that? Yeah, playtesting... Um, I mean, with a lot of my games, um, I, I certainly, you know, I do have some people volunteer to play, but a lot of it is done. Um, I, I, I go to a lot of conventions and I, I you know, I, I run personally a lot of sessions and, you know, I've just been around a lo- long enough that I, I can kind of take in that data, you know, I mean, I'll certainly, you know, react uh, when, when I get a really lopsided game um i'll usually kind of wait that more in the balancing process but um as time goes on i try to change less and less because if i change the game a lot after i've been testing the game like this happened mo- almost more with with burgle bros i had a set of tiles that were randomized in, in, in burgle bros and i had to just play the game a ton so i had the 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 almost the final set of tiles from very early on i didn't change the the general count uh, or you know, quantity of, of tiles um, over the course of balancing because if I did a big change, I'm negating all the data I already know and I'm kind of starting over. Um, so you, you certainly, there is, there is a lot of gut that you, you have to, you know, you know, you have to kind of aggregate all that data. Um, and there's probably more rigorous ways to do this kind of balance where you can measure a whole bunch of games and, and, and see what the balance is. But I mean, I, I like to think there's still some some gut instinct when it comes to to uh, to game balance. Yeah, awesome. And, and again, that's something you know. So many new designers they 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 want that kind of magic bullet, but there's not one. It just takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of you know getting in there and doing it over and over and over again. And eventually, you develop that kind of gut feeling, gut reaction that'll will guide you down the right path. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been lucky. Uh, I've got a couple of cases where I had to uh, I had to get, you know, put a number in the game with little or no data. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was able to, you know, end up with a number that ended up being pretty balanced, but I mean, I, I don't really want to rely on that luck unless I have to, I, I try to, you know, forecast, you know, what numbers really need balancing before, you know, I finalize the rule book or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean like the, the cooperative mode for, for paperback, uh, I had to guess on some numbers based on me playing the game a lot. Uh, and I got lucky that the game's pretty well balanced. Yeah, for sure. Now let's switch angles a little bit and look at things from the publishing side. What are the publishing challenges of putting out deduction games? I mean, you mean like audience reception or more like the physical construction? Yeah, both. I mean, both in manufacturing and also marketing and the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Marketing, I think is a little trickier. Um, but it depends, right? It's pretty easy to market a social deduction game these days, um, but but you know other games can be trickier. Like like you know it depends, right? I mean, marketing is really based on do you can you point to another game where it's like oh it's like this mixed with this or it's like this but better. And and fugitive, I don't I didn't think I had as much to stand on. I think sabotage as well. I don't have I can say oh it's kind of like Captain Sonar, you know, or fugitive. It's like. Uh, Fugitive is like the game, you know, um, like there, there isn't a really, a really go-to. And so then you have to just, um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of my things, like I want to be innovative and I just want to put games out there and let people figure out if they're good. And I'm fine waiting for that. 
So, I mean, I do a lot of long play and I don't do a lot of marketing. Um, I mostly just put my time into the game and let the game kind of spread by word of mouth. And, and that's worked out really well. Um, and then manufacturing, it just depends. I mean, yes, like with Sabotage, I had to make uh, a barrier, you know, like a Captain Sonar barrier for it. And, and so there's those, there's those factors. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if there's any special deductive. I mean, there is the concept, uh, I mean, there is kind of this holy grail in board game design of what's called the double blind, where, you know, we're both moving through the fog and I can catch a glimpse of you and you don't know that I saw you. And, and when you talk about asymmetric information um, and deduction is, is that, is, is thinking about things. Um, and, and, and so some games have pulled it off in, in kind of hokey ways, like um, what is it, the mummy in the pyramid where you've got a vertical board and you're moving around this magnetic piece and you're trying to suck onto pieces on the other side of the board. Uh, you're trying to, you know, trying to find each other. And so I've been, I've been kind of chasing that as well as a design goal. I think with Sabotage, we have a double blind that's pretty interesting. So, yeah. Well, cool. Well, Tim, man, really appreciate your thoughts, your, your wisdom, your insight on all things deduction. What are your, what are your closing thoughts? What are your, like, what advice would you give someone who maybe they're working on a deduction game right now or just thinking about it? What would you tell them? I mean, I, I, I kind of, you know, I value innovation. So, I think, you know, trying to, trying to upset the formula when, you know, so if you're going to make a social deduction, you know, flip it on its head, do something, do something different with it. Um, but yeah, deduction, uh, uh, you know, I definitely recommend asymmetry. I, I, you know, I think that that kind of can get to some really interesting states. I, I find it's, it's actually less competitive. I think a lot of people find um, asymmetric deduction more approachable um, because it doesn't have the same sense of domination. Um, whereas in poker, uh, you know, somebody beats you at poker, you, you don't really have a good feeling because they, you know, it's the kind of the downside of yummy. Like if someone's reading, really reading or reading you, uh, you're not having a good time. Um, so either have the, the rounds be short or I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think asymmetry helps that, but, um, but no, it's, it's still a wide open space. I think the, there's lots of, of interesting design to do here. Um, and deduction is, is all over design. Um, so, so look at some of the older games and, and, uh, for inspiration, when I mentions a lot of those classics, a lot of those haven't been, been updated. A lot of them hasn't, haven't been touched in years. And there's, there's still a core to a lot of those games that are really interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Tim, again, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, good luck with all these awesome games that you're working on and good luck with everything else you got going on right now. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?